Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined again with my friend and psychic medium, Christina Curran. She is back to talk about heaven and afterlife and souls. So welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. It's such a pleasure being here. <laughs> I tell you what, you are so much fun. And we're now we're friends. And like, I will text you at two in the morning because my mind sometimes goes crazy in the morning when I have to take the dogs out. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So and then, you know, you always get back to me, it may not be that same day. But you know, because you are really busy, like your TikTok totally blew up, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it totally blew up. <laughs> yeah, I know. And all of a sudden, you've got all these readings and stuff. So let's get into this. So let's talk about souls and maybe the evolution of a soul. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like what you said, I think that this kind of branches off of the episode that we did regarding the seven levels of heaven. Yes. I think that to start and then a good starting point would probably be um, talking about lesser evolved souls. Okay. So like everybody at home, probably, you know, as we've talked about, you know, different levels of spirituality and about this soul journey that we're on here on earth, probably when we've talked about soul contracts, many people at home have probably been like, wait a second, I would never chart for myself or choose these awful people to have in my life. Um, I would never choose these experiences. And I think Leslie has said this in a really great way um, many different times in her podcast. Um, She has said the most elevated version of us, you know, the most enlightened version when we're in a perfect state in the spirit side, everything is, you know, rainbows and roses and daisies over there. (laughs) So it's basically like we're writing this soap opera for ourselves. That's always the analogy that my guides have given me. And they have always said that, If we did not have these people in our lives that did not have the same, you know, evolved soul in terms of if we, you know, have like these malignant narcissists in our life, Mm. they teach us something. It's a horrible experience to have, but they teach us what we should not do in terms of our morality, you know, at a very base level. And my guides have always said, if we did not have these horrible examples in our life in terms of what we should not be doing then how would we know the boundaries and parameters in terms of morals and morality other than what society has put up for us? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of lesser evolved souls, what my guides have always given me the analogy of is, for instance, like Ted Bundy, Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy. These people had what they referred to as a lesser evolved soul. Mm -hmm. And they said, basically, these people have a very animalistic type of quality to their soul. Basically what they showed me was they have not evolved to a point where they have learned and integrated having both compassion as well as empathy within their life. Mm, So this is usually the breeding ground for a narcissist, a psychopath, someone that does not possess empathy or compassion within their life usually develops into one of these individuals. So basically what they showed me was these people are allowed to incarnate on the earth plane. They have a soul, but again, it is a very lesser evolved soul rather than the rest of us. Um, Because again, these people do not know. They know on a societal level that it's wrong what they're doing. 
but it's almost like it doesn't apply to them in their mind because they themselves have not evolved to that point again, where it would be painful for them to even think of harming another person. Let me ask you something else. Like, you know how we say, Oh, you're a new soul or you're an old soul. Is that even, is that even relevant? I mean, are we all created at the same time and then we just haven't evolved our humanistic kind of feelings? Is that a true statement or how does that work? Do you know? So I've seen in terms of the things that my guides have showed me in doing readings, um, the big thing that I've noticed in terms of this is there are some souls that are in a human body right now that it is their first time ever being on the earth plane and they have not ascended in the same way in terms of like a karmic ascension. Um, Like for instance, what am I talking about by there? Like most of us, when we're born onto the earth plane, we don't come in in a human body out of the gate. Yeah, and my guys have always said that this is because it would be really intense and very overwhelming if you have been, you know, this new soul that broke away from source to jump into a human body without some sort of like training video, you know, like a good analogy that they've showed me is, you know, the training videos that we have to watch, you know, on our first day of the job prior to being released onto the floor. You can kind of liken these other existences that we have prior to being a human, where we are like molecules in the air. We are gases. We're part of the atmosphere. And then once we've spent some time in there, we ascend to, you know, the elemental kingdom and are a part of the elementals. Once we spend a good amount of time there, we ascend outward into the plant kingdom and become a plant or a flower. Once we spend enough time there, we might be a mineral like a rock. Right. Um, you know, within the earth, yeah. uh, you know, that they've had existences as trees within the earth. Yes. And, you know, that's kind of that's kind of hard to accept in the way of how, you know, we think of things just be if nothing else, because we think, oh, gosh, you don't start out as a rock or gas or a tree. But it does make me think, OK, well, if that is true, it would make sense to have empathy for nature for yeah it makes total sense to me then so and I think Dolores Cannon talked about this as well she did she talked about this in uh many of her books in the convoluted universe series in between death and life basically she would regress people through her regression uh or regressional hypnosis and she would take them back to a past life that their higher self most wanted them to see in that moment. And very often they would regress them back to these times where they lived these different existences as plants, as a rock, as a tree, as a bird. And very often, you know, she would ask their higher self, why did you pick this life to show them? And they would say, say, for instance, they were a rock in that life. They would say, well, she's so impatient now in this life. Think of how much more impatient you would be if your entire, you know, existence was being solitary and not moving as a rock. You know, like I said, it's hard to wrap my head around that part, but I get it. It does make sense. So, so that's okay. So we talked about a little bit of the evolution of a soul. You and I talked and I probably texted you at three in the morning, four in the morning, whenever I do. And I heard something about people coming in with no souls. And I asked you, And you gave me some of the best answers I've ever had of anybody trying to explain things to me. So what are your feelings about 
the possibility of someone coming into this lifetime without a soul. Because I have so many questions like, how the heck do you man a body with no soul? Doesn't the body need a soul to function? You know, all the things. So in terms of that, so what my guides have showed me um, in terms of people with no souls, first they have said that, again, everyone in our life is a teacher to us. And again, I know that that might be triggering for many people at home, especially if you've experienced abuse, trauma in your past. That is not my intention in terms of being triggering. And I myself have experienced abuse um, at varying degrees. So I completely understand that stance and that viewpoint. But if we have been taught even just one thing by the experiences that we have had, you know, at the very least, if we have been taught to protect ourselves better or protect our hearts in a specific way, we've learned something from that experience. But basically what my guides have showed me is there are people in this life within the earth plane that have absolutely no soul. Wow. Yeah. Dolores Cannon actually referenced this in some of her convoluted universe book series. She called them the backdrop people. That's just scary. That's that name just sounds so scary, but keep going. Yeah. (laughs) So basically kind of similarly to how uh, Dolores Cannon views this, my guides have always given me this analogy. When we're writing our soul contract on the other side, we're essentially scripting a play or a movie of our life on the other side. Right. 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 And they have said, you cast all of the characters in your movie. You're the lead character. But you will cast, you know, supporting roles and then some that are like walk on characters that only serve, you know, a specific scene or a specific purpose. You will also cast the extras within your movie. Very often the people that are quote unquote extras within the movie of our life are these people with no souls. Wow. These are the people that have almost like this walk-on speaking role for a very brief period in our life. And these are very often the people that abuse us and hurt us in some way. Mm. Now, am I saying every single person that abuses us has no soul? No, I do not believe that. I think that many of these people are some of these lesser evolved souls that have not developed the ability of compassion and empathy yet. And again, that doesn't excuse their, you know, activities and what they do in terms of how they hurt people in their life. Right. But basically what my guides have showed me is these people are allowed to incarnate onto the earth plane. And this is the analogy that they gave me as to why they're allowed to be here. For anybody who has ever seen the movie Catfish with Neve Shulman back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. For anybody who hasn't seen it, basically Neve meets this girl online and he's instantly attracted to her, starts dating her, but only over Facebook. Mm. She won't FaceTime him. She's throwing up a lot of red flags here. (laughs) Okay. That she's possibly not the person that she thinks she is, you know? So Neve and his brother devised this plan basically to surprise her at her home residence and meet her. And when they do, they find out that it is some 40 plus year old woman with a family. And it is, yeah, and it is not the girl that she portrayed herself to be. Mm. So they all go out on the porch and they're talking to her husband. And you can tell he doesn't really know what's going on. But they're asking him what he did in life. And he says, I used to be this longshore fisherman. And they used to ship cod from Alaska into the States. And they would ship them in these big barrels. And basically, once the cod got to the States, they would be mush. So what they decided to do was throw some catfish into these big drums. And basically these catfish would nip at the heels of the cod to keep them moving and keep them from becoming stagnant. 
So when they would arrive to the States, they were full, you know, they were healthy. Right. But it was because they put these little heel nippers, basically, (laughs) within the drums of these fish. So my guides have always given me this analogy. These people with no souls that we interact with in our life and have these horrible experiences with are quite literally like the catfish of the world. They nip at our heels. They keep us on our toes. But they also teach us things that are hard, hard lessons. You know, that's, you know, but it makes sense why our source, God, uh, would allow this to happen in that respect, because it does teach us. But my question is, how does a body function without that essence, that soul essence? You know, where's the driver? So what my guides have always shown me in terms of this, and I will say like wrapping my head around this is very difficult (laughs) because I think that I'm like many of you at home, you know, some of this still goes over my human brain. Yeah. But basically what they show me is that in a regular person that has a soul, basically that soul and this universal life force energy They kind of liken that universal life force energy as like the force in Star Wars. It kind of binds everything within our galaxy together. This life force energy paired with our soul is what animates this big meat suit that we're all walking around in, right? Right. So for what Leslie is saying, what happens with these people that have no souls? How do they animate their meat suit, right? Yeah. So my guides have always shown me that quote from William Shakespeare, hell is empty, all the devils are here. They always say that the earth plane is such a dense base frequency and so incredibly dense. It's denser than any other dimension and frequency that exists within the cosmos. They say that basically some of this dense base earth based energy is what animates these people's physical bodies. There is no soul that is within that body. It is truly just a shell filled with all of that lower vibrational dense base earth energy. It's almost like an elemental is possessing the body, right? Yes, very similar. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. And tell my listeners what you think elementals are. So elementals, in my experience, there are different levels of elementals, in my opinion. Okay. Um, there are some elementals that you can liken to fairies or like earth spirits, like gnomes, uh, devas you know, regular fairies, brownies, those to me are some of the more base earth energies. And as we all know, they can be both good and bad. Um, It really just depends on what we are, you know, encountering with them in that particular time. I also view some of these energies as being very based energies related to elements, specifically like air energy, Mm. water energy, earth energy, fire energy, all of these elements are also represented usually by some sort of spirit entity. Um, So like, for instance, the air usually is represented by air devas. Um, Fire usually is represented by salamanders um, and not like physical salamanders, but like the energetic salamanders that represent the the fire element within the earth plane. Okay. But you know, it's crazy to me because you know, if that's the case, and I believe you, it's very instinctual. It's more reactive. There's no thought behind it. There's no caring behind it. It's just literally a shell that is reacting or impulsively reacting, correct? Right, exactly. You can also remember like, you hear people tell these types of stories all the time when they experience some type of attack or um, some moment of abuse from a person. Very often they will say the very same thing. They will say in that moment, their eyes went black and it was like, there was nobody home. 
this always like flashes me back to, you know, these talks about people with no souls, because very often in those moments, that true energy of theirs comes out and you're able to see it in their eyes. Wow. And you know, I don't think this is a, a very common thing. This is more rare than anything. Yes. So my understanding is in terms of our individual existences, it is very rare for us personally to encounter someone that has no soul. Okay. But from what my guides have basically made me understand, there are tons of people within the earth plane that have no soul. And very often these people we will never interact with. They're just kind of like, again, like what Dolores Cannon refers to them as basically like the backdrop people. They're the extras that we have placed within the movie of our life. And they just kind of you know, operate in the background. Right. Okay. Now I have another question because, and we've talked about this before, not on air. What about walk-ins? Have you heard much or do you know much about those kinds of situations? Oh, yes. So walk-in souls. Basically what my guides have said is anyone that hops into this life basically charts, you know, all these different exit points for themselves. Usually we have about five different exit points where we can choose basically to jump out of this existence and leave. And again, this is not on a conscious level. This is on a soul subconscious level that this happens. So basically what they've showed me is that the goal is to not take ourselves out of this life. The goal is to not commit suicide. Okay. So very often what souls will do as a way to get around that to not even, you know, entertain the idea of suicide, because when we commit suicide, we are avoiding that soul contract prior to when it should have been finished. So all we are doing is basically having to go back to source and redo that soul contract. We don't get out of it. We will still have to come back and, you know, do that lesson. Nobody goes to hell. You you just have a do over. Right. Right. The circumstances change, the faces and people's names change, but the circumstances will be similar in that sense. So basically what they showed me is in an attempt to not commit suicide, very often people are either experiencing some sort of, whether it be severe depression, whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. usually there's some sort of struggle or health type of situation going on in that time. I've also heard many people describe where they were very sick leading up to this experience. Very often, our soul, that original soul that started in that body will say, I cannot do this anymore. There's too much for me to work out here. I don't know that I can continue after this illness. So basically what happens on the other side, because there is this line, this waiting list of souls to jump into the earth plane, basically another soul will get with our soul on a subconscious level during our sleep state and agree to take over that karma for the rest of our lives. So they will quite literally, um, they always like they're giving me this analogy now, you know how we run a relay basically, and we carry that baton and we have to tag another person into that relay and hand them the baton. It is similar. Basically we are just tagging someone else in to take over the rest of our soul contract and take over that karma for us. You know, and that explains sometimes, Christina, when people have tragic accidents, 
or if they're in a coma or whatever, and they come out completely different people, you you know? You've heard the stories of like people that they have like this, you know, near-death experience and they come back with an accent that they didn't have before. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is these examples of walk-ins. Now, walk-ins in my experience in terms of what my guides have told me, that is rare, Okay, but it does happen. Wow. And it blows my mind because if there are people here with no souls, when they die, do they just go back to like the elemental kind of state of being can they choose to have a soul you know would they even desire something like that because if they're just instinctual I don't even know if they'd have the capacity to desire something like that Mm -hmm. so my guides have always said that between you know these people that have no souls the backdrop people whatever you want to call them there's always an invitation for them to learn still and this is presented to them through all of the people that are in their life currently even though they don't have the same soul that we do we are placed in their life mutually as well in an attempt for them also to learn, to help their soul advance and evolve. Okay, so they can, if they choose, because we all still have free will no matter what, to go ahead and maybe they can evolve and gain a soul. Or, I mean, if they don't have a soul, I don't know if they just get one. I don't know how that works either, you know? They basically showed me that when a soul learns and becomes aware of itself, um, like I'm hearing them tell me this now, when it has an awareness that they create a ripple effect to around everyone around them, basically, mm. when they, you know, gain that awareness is when the spark of life or that, you know, little spark from source enters into that awareness. So I always have seen that happen on the spirit side. Yeah, I have to be honest, I have never been given like, a visual in terms of, you know, an actual person here within the earth plane, having that type of experience and awareness. But based on what they've said, I do know that that happens. Wow. And it blows my mind. So when they go to the different levels of heaven, because there's so many different levels, and we've talked about that on the other podcast, they would probably be on that lower level until they can ascend further up when they learn and evolve, correct? Right. So the people that have lesser evolved souls, I believe these people even though they've done some really horrible things in their life. Again, like what Leslie says, I think that when they pass away, they go to the lower astral. My guides have always told me that this is kind of the most close place that we can liken to hell on the other side. Mm -hmm. It is full of all of kind of the icky stuff that comes from the earth plane. Anything of a lower vibration, any dark entities, all of those are kind of housed within the lower astral. Anytime I've crossed over an earthbound spirit, they always tell me that it kind of looks like this really dark forest. And they always usually see themselves alone in that dark forest. Okay, and they maybe hear, you know, other things going on, like the the moans and groans or something like that. That would be so horrific. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard that specifically. Like, I've asked yeah. them, can you hear anything around you? They've always said that it's dead silence. Oh, really? Okay, see, I mm-hmm. didn't know. Now, let me ask you something else. I was listening to a Dolores Cannon thing on YouTube the other day when she was talking about soul contracts. And, you know, we all have that person in our life, whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or, a you know, a friend or maybe even a parent or a sibling where you're just like, you know what, I would love to just tear up that soul contract. And she said, all you have to do is mentally, you know, in your mind say, hey, listen, we've we tried our best. It didn't work out. Let's tear up the soul contract because we all have a contract with these people when we come into life and vice versa and we can destroy it now. 
first of all, that's really cool. And we can talk about that. But also, what if it's a mistake that you did it? Can you redeem that kind of stuff? So what do you think about that? So in terms of soul contracts, I totally agree that we can visualize basically, like if you have an instance in your life where you are encountering a person that is just nothing but abusive, Like you feel like crap when you're around this person. They are a detriment to your mental and physical health. There is nothing good about that person. They just, from the second they're around you till the time they leave, they just drain the life from you. These people very often have no desire to ascend any further in their own consciousness and awareness in this life. So we see it all the time. These people dig their heels in. They basically gaslight us when we call them out on their bad behavior. They refuse to take any accountability. These folks are the ones that usually, again, like what we said, goes to the lower astral. Right. So in terms of the soul contracts, so very often, you know, I've done this for my own self, like a certain two members of my family. But basically what you do for these people that, again, continuously bring you down and do not contribute anything positive to your life, you have the option of saying, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I am removing you from my life. And one thing that you can do in terms of the visualization is to rip up that soul contract. Dolores Cannon talks about basically visualizing yourself standing in front of that person, taking the soul contract from one of your spirit guides, and ripping it up. And this soul contract represents the relationship that you and the other person shared. Basically saying like, we've tried everything, we did our best, but this is not working. And this is not going to work from this point forward. I forgive you for everything that you've done. And again, forgiving that person does not remove them off the hook from what they've done, but it frees you from what they've done to you. Yeah, it's about your freedom, not theirs. Absolutely. You forgive them, but you also forgive yourself. Mm. And that's an important part. You forgive yourself for everything, for maybe waiting too long to cut that person off. You forgive yourself for remaining in that situation for as long as you did. Whatever the case may be, you forgive yourself and remove yourself off the hook from that as well. And then you walk away from that person. You cut them out of your life. And that's not to say that that person won't come back around again, because very often they do especially when you, you know, do some sort of cord cutting like that. Um, they notice when that energy has been severed mm. and very often that person will pop up again, try and press your buttons again to see if they can get, you know, your goat. And basically what my guides have said is when that happens, it's a test for you. It's a test to see if you have ascended and moved past that situation. If you don't give them the time of day, then you're golden. Wow. If it bothers you and triggers you, give yourself extra healing, but do not give them an inch. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people listening to this episode going, okay, I think I need to do some soul contract tearing up. Yeah. Because, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not making light of this. I mean, this, some of this stuff is so serious and we've all had uh, some kind of trauma. I'm sorry. Everyone has, no matter who you are, someone has traumatized you. And if that's the case and you're around them and they're toxic, then I think you absolutely should do something about it. But what about this? What if, you know, you both die, you go to heaven or whatever, go to the different levels. What if that was a mistake that you did that? Would you figure that out later when you, you know, how would that work? So what my guides have always said is, you know, there are no accidents. There are no mistakes. Um, What we choose to do for ourselves in that moment is perfect for us in that moment. Doesn't mean that it might be perfect, you know, later on down the line. But they've always said basically that there are checks and balances on the other side 
to where once you get back onto the spirit side, you can look through, you know, everybody's soul contract and see whether or not this is going to have negative effects on other folks within your soul family. Very often these people that we, you know, rip up those contracts for, they're really not part of our soul family. They're just part of that kind of extra crowd um, that's there to, you know, be the catfish in our life and nip at our heels through that particular uh, season. Great point. No, great point. And, you know, to me, uh, tearing up a soul contract, at least visualizing it, is really about the life you're in at this time, at this moment. And then you can figure all that out when you're in a better state, in a perfect state, and everything makes sense because a lot of things don't make sense, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff. We, You know, we certainly can't explain things. You can tell me what your guides tell you and interpret it the way you see how it's supposed to be um, delivered. But, you know, like I said, you can't know everything and neither can I, obviously, because I don't get to talk to my guys like you do. So (laughs) it must be nice. But so, okay, so you are a psychic medium. So tell me if somebody wanted to talk to you and get a reading from you, what kinds of things can you do for somebody calling you and saying, hey, Christina, um, I need to know about what's going to happen here, because you are psychic, which is kind of predictive, and also a medium, you can talk to the dead. So what can they expect? Sure. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about in my own practice and how I deal with the collective is I really like to introduce people to their spirit guides and their spirit team. Okay. And usually what I do, you know, I'm sure Leslie will like link my link tree in show notes. But usually what I do during meet your spirit guide sessions is I channel three of your spirit guides from your spirit team. Mm -hmm. We get their names, we get their descriptions. We get any past life connections that you might share between that guide and yourself. We also get ways that you can begin connecting with that person moving forward um, and what type of spirit guide they are in your life now. That's something that I'm super, super passionate about. If anyone else is like me, um, you know, when I was first diving into my gifts and learning, I felt like I banged my head against the wall trying to really connect with my guides. And I felt always like there was like this little wall in front of Mm -hmm. me and I couldn't Mm -hmm. reach through it. So when I connected with my own uh, mentor and teacher, she introduced me to my main spirit guide. And from there I met the rest of them myself. Um, I think sometimes people just need that introduction. And then after that, they hit the ground running. Right. And and not doubt yourself. Right. You kind of have to go with the flow and take the first thing that comes to your mind as opposed to trying to think too hard about it. You know, it's honestly probably not as hard as it seems. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. My big advice to everybody at home when you're trying to connect with your spirit guides is to trust yourself. Your spirit guides in the beginning, it's going to sound like your own internal monologue within your head. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be this, you know, audible external voice that's outside of us. Um, You know, it's very rare that can be experienced by people. But for the most part, 99% of mediums hear their own guides as their own internal voice within their head. Right. So you connect them with your spirit guides, but can you talk about like, can you tell them about their future? Usually we do that within the session. Um, Very often when we talk about the different past life experiences that you've had with these different guides, very often that past tends to bleed into the future. Okay. So very often there are similar themes that people have experienced with these guides that have also kind of echoed into this current life for them. But very often, once we get to uh, the end of that session, we do almost like this Q&A portion with your guides. And very often, my clients will ask their guides questions that tap into both that psychic and mediumship ability, where they'll either ask, you know, 
can you tell me about what direction I should go in my life in terms of my profession? And then we, you know, channeled their guides in terms of future profession they should dive into. Nice. And I know you are also a Reiki master and I would love to know the kinds of things you can offer my listeners because that's a very healing kind of modality, I guess. Um, So what kinds of things can you offer people that maybe need a little healing too? So with Reiki, um, y'all, Reiki truly to me is magic. Um, Reiki is uh, basically a Japanese word that means universal life force. And everyone, in my opinion, has the ability to channel this energy. It's innate to us. The very first thing that we do when we stub our toe is very often we grab our toe and hold it. Right. In Reiki, it is laying on of hands to channel that universal life force energy, basically. So during Reiki sessions, whether they be in person or distance, I connect with my client's energy and channel that universal healing life force energy into their own energy and body. Mm. Um, I balance each of their chakra points. I clear their auric fields. And during that time, as many other Reiki masters can tell you, very often you start receiving intuitive and psychic hits from your own guides. Very often family members and spirit can step forward during this time. Um, What I do during these sessions, especially if they're distance, I take notes of all the things that I see, I hear, I feel, and I receive during your session. And then I type those notes up for you afterwards and send those to you so that you have a little bit of an idea of what I've done, what I've accomplished what I saw and felt, because Mm. very often those are all messages for you. And what's nice is, you know, you've got some kind of paper trail of what you did. And because a lot of times, you know, you're so excited, you you hear all the things or whatever, and you don't retain a lot of that information unless you have it recorded or whatever. And that may not be what you do. But you know, having it typed out to where, hey, this is how I felt. And this is who I spoke with. And this is what they said or whatever. I love that you do that for people. That's amazing. So I'm going to add all of your information, well, your link tree in my show notes, because Christina, of course, and as always, you are amazing. And I, you are my resident psychic medium. You know that. And (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Whether you you like it or not. And I think you do. And um, I just thank you so much again for joining me. You are a wealth of information. And I just, I'm so thankful that I have you on my speed dial whenever I want to talk to you. Thank you so much, Leslie. I loved being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.